Today is Tuesday, February 2nd. This is TNAN Talk. I'm Finn Warner. Happening today in local news, Colorado Parks and Wildlife has asked the public and others to join the discussions for Fisher's Peak State Park, and the Bar NI Ranch opens its grant applications for its community service fund. In the state, a group of Colorado students band together to create a Colorado Youth Congress to discuss racial awareness and mental health. And in world news, Australia has taken a much different approach to COVID-19 precautions than many other Western nations. Stick around for more. Today's podcast is brought to you with support from Moose's Social Club and Martini Bar. Located right across the street from our office, Moose's is a Chronicle News favorite. To order, give them a call at 719-216-3517 or visit them at 308 West Main Street. All right, let's check in with the weather. Today is sunny with a high near 60 degrees. For tonight, temperatures around 30. Tomorrow is mostly sunny with a high in the lower 60s, and tomorrow night there is a chance for precipitation with low in the upper 20s. Now, here's the news. And happening in Trinidad, Colorado Parks and Wildlife wants governmental and non-governmental organizations and businesses to get involved in the master planning process for Fishers Peak State Park located near Trinidad. Colorado Parks and Wildlife is inviting organizations to participate in the interest group discussions beginning in the first quarter of 2021. The interest group discussions are designed to gather ideas, expertise, and thoughts on opportunities and challenges related to the creation of Colorado's newest state park by reaching out to governmental and non-governmental organizations and businesses. The Fishers Peak State Park Project team also hopes to build relationships with members of the community through the interest group meetings, which are expected to begin in the first quarter of 2021 and following up with participants throughout the master planning process. To view the vision and focus areas for Fishers Peak State Park, go to www fisherspeakstatepark.com forward slash overview and to select and properly assign members to the various interest group discussions the project team asks anyone interested to fill out a questionnaire to fill out the questionnaire go to www.fisherspeakstatepark.com for individual members of the public looking to participate in the planning process a detailed public survey will be sent in the coming months to capture ideas expertise and thoughts on opportunities and challenges related to Fisher's Peak State Park Colorado Parks and Wildlife Open opened Fishers Peak State Park to limited public access on October 30th after it was purchased by a partnership that included Colorado Parks and Wildlife, the City of Trinidad, nonprofits, the Nature Conservancy, the Trust for Public Land, and Great Outdoors Colorado. Historically, Colorado Parks and Wildlife has taken years to research a property and develop a master plan inclusive of public opinion, sensitive to the needs of wildlife that protects unique habitat before starting construction of recreation infrastructure like roads, trails, toilets, parking lots, visitor centers, sewer, and and water services and interpretive signs. Also happening in Trinidad, the Bar and I Ranch Community Service Fund is now accepting grant proposals from both previous as well as new applicants. Grants may be awarded in the areas of education, youth development, environment and conservation, health and human services, and civic or public benefit. Grant awards will be made to 501c3 nonprofit organizations in the Purgatory Valley with projects that serve to inspire awareness, expand horizons, create independence, and foster personal growth. Applicants are strongly encouraged to focus on youth and environment 
environmental education projects. The fund looks for projects exploring creative ways to ignite the spirit, facilitate dreams, and address root causes of problems rather than just treat affected conditions. Creative collaboration is strongly encouraged. The deadline for submitting proposals is Friday, March 26, 2021. Organizations will be eligible to receive only one grant per calendar year. For more information and a proposal packet, please contact Tom Perry through the Bar NI Community Service Fund at tomandlindaperry at gmail.com. And for more on this story and what's happening in Trinidad and beyond, pick up a copy of today's paper or visit the Chronicle News website, thechronicle-news.com. And happening in the state, Carmen Rodriguez has long been quiet about the day-to-day challenges she experiences living with anxiety and obsessive-compulsive disorder. Slowly, she's started to open up about the stubborn struggles they've created for her life as she's found ways to cope, reported the Colorado Sun. Carmen, a sophomore at Peonia High School in Delta County, is joining 59 other high schoolers who are part of Colorado Youth Congress to begin their own conversations about how to better address issues of mental health and racial justice. In adult circles, students are often left out of those kinds of conversations, even as they're the ones directly affected by the decisions made. Colorado Youth Congress has launched the Systems Change Network, a virtual collaborative of students, educators, and advocacy organizations that give students the rare opportunity to drive discussions about mental health and racial justice. Both issues have become increasingly important for young people after a year disrupted by a pandemic and a summer marked by protests calling for more racial equality and an end to police brutality against people of color. Carmen, who helped lead the network's first Zoom meeting last week, now speaks confidently about how important prioritizing her own mental health has become. After Carmen started to see a therapist and was diagnosed with obsessive-compulsive disorder last summer, she no longer shied away from talking to friends and peers about seeking help through therapy. The more she casually dropped it into conversations, the easier it became to talk about, and the more it eroded her own stigma of needing help in the first place. For her, anxious thoughts are a near constant. She'll often feel an urge to touch any object she encounters in a certain way. For instance, recently, while shopping at Target, she was drawn to a rack of sweaters and couldn't pass by without touching every single one. It feeds into satisfying a need she can't explain, which leads a lot of frustration when she's simply trying to maneuver through the tasks and expectations of her day-to-day schedule. This time last year, Carmen said her mental health had sunk to its lowest point. This year, her mental health has blossomed so much that she's never felt stronger, which is very, very hopeful and nice, she said. She noted that when adult organization leaders try to inspire change, they in many cases invite students into their spaces as just a voice or a number rather than as people whose perspectives are seriously considered. Mohammed Ibrahim, another member of Colorado Youth Congress, has felt the same kind of dismissal from adults, who he said will open up conversations to young people just to have them in the room. Now it's time for the adults to step back and listen, students say. Through the Systems Change Network, they plan to meet monthly through their computer screens with two distinct campaigns of students devoted to mental health and racial injustice. Students haven't yet determined what they plan to accomplish within each campaign. For the next year, they'll mostly listen to one another and learn about what is contributing to mental health and racial injustice in Colorado. In the following year, students will shift to focus on helping create solutions that will address the root of the problem behind both issues and tackle them at a system level. And happening in world news, one case, one young security guard at a quarantine hotel who tested positive for the coronavirus and experienced minor symptoms. 
That was all it took for Perth, Australia's fourth-largest city, to snap into a complete lockdown on Sunday, reported the New York Times. One case, and now two million people are staying home for at least the next five days. One case, and now the top state leader, Mark McGowan, who is facing an election next month, is calling on his constituents to sacrifice for each other and the nation. The speed and severity of the response may be unthinkable to people in the United States or Europe, where far larger outbreaks have often been met with half measures, but to Australians, it looked familiar. The lockdown in Perth in the surrounding area followed similar efforts in Brisbane and Sydney, where a handful of infections led to steep ramp-ups and restrictions, a subdued virus, and then a rapid return to near normalcy. Ask Australians about the approach, and they might just shrug. Instead of loneliness and grief or outcries over impingements on their freedom, they've gotten used to a routine of short-term pain for collective gain. The contrast with the United States and Europe, sharp at the start of the pandemic, has become even more marked with time. Fewer Australians have died in total, 909 than the average number of deaths every day now in Britain and the United States. Australia is just one of several success stories in the Asia-Pacific. The region's middle powers include New Zealand, Taiwan, Thailand, and Vietnam are essentially getting better at managing the virus while the great powers of the World War II era are getting worse. The center of confidence, if not gravity, continues to shift east, especially as China roars back to life. With successful public health, some argue comes not just wealth and more stable economies, but also national pride and the practical expertise that mutating viruses demand. Australia's geographic isolation offers it one great advantage. Still, it has taken a number of decisive steps. Australia has strictly limited interstate travel while mandating hotel quarantine for international arrivals since last March. Britain and the United States are now seeking to make quarantine mandatory for people coming from coronavirus hotspots. Australia has also maintained a strong system of contact tracing even as other countries have essentially given up. In the Perth case, contract tracers have already tested the man's housemates, negative so far, by the time the lockdown was announced and placed them under 14-day quarantine at a state-run facility. The authorities also listed more than a dozen locations where the security guard might have touched or breathed on someone. Australia's fight against the coronavirus has not been flawless. In the case of Perth, illustrates a persistent soft spot. A number of outbreaks have been linked to hotel quarantine, including one in Melbourne late last year that led to an 111-day lockdown. The strict border rules have caused hardship for many people, including thousands of Australians stranded overseas. But the evidence of the country's success has been building for months, and it's been shaped since December, less by a complete absence of the virus than by a series of rapid responses that have quashed small outbreaks. Before Christmas, it was Sydney's northern beaches, which were locked down as a few, then a dozen cases emerged. Holiday plans were ruined as anyone from Greater Sydney was barred from traveling to other states. Testing surged. There were few complaints, and it worked. The city of 5 million has gone to two weeks without a case of community transmission. Brisbane is now back to COVID normal. Like all of Australia beyond Perth, across this country, offices and restaurants are open with rules mandating physical spacing. The Australian Open, after facing a series of challenges from infected arrivals, expects to seat 30,000 tennis fans a day when it begins on February 8th. And coming up in Trinidad on Saturday, February 6th, is the monthly Purgatory River cleanup. The group will meet at 9 a.m. outside of Noah's Ark Animal Shelter at the Riverwalk Entry. A warning to those participating to wear warm clothing and appropriate shoes. For more information, call Julie Knudsen at 970-420-1915.
And if you know of an upcoming event you think should be included on our podcast, give us a shout on our TDAD Radio Facebook page or call us at 719-846-3311. And for a deeper look into what's happening in Trinidad and beyond, visit the Chronicle News website, thechronicle-news.com, and don't forget to support your local journalism with an online subscription. And another shout-out to our sponsor for today, Moose's Social Club and Martini Bar. If you've not already tried their delicious Bandito Burger, I would recommend giving it a shot. But be sure to have some napkins handy. To order, give them a call at 719-216-3517 or stop by their restaurant at 308 West Main Street. That will do it for today's episode. Thanks for hanging around. This has been Finn Warner. Have a great day. This is Chronicle News Media.